Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 57 of the FBP Gaming Podcast, where we seek to build authentic relationships with the people holding the controller. I'm your host, the Coltrane, and as always, I'm joined by the fellas Lumix and Rudy, but we also have a special <laughs> guest. <laughs> I just did it again. Unbelievable. I think right. it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. It is. It it's has fine. to be. I don't need to be fungus anymore. <laughs> no, no. We, we got Rudy. We got Lumix. <laughs> We also have a special guest uh, coming on. We have Sean with us tonight, who's going to uh, talk to us about a game that he is uh, a lead developer on, or the head honcho on, the Grand Poobah, as it were. And so we are so <laughs> excited to to hear about that. But we'll get into our, our intros here first, fellas. It was Labor Day this week. It, it was, was a laborious week. Did uh, did you guys celebrate America in its full fungus? Let's start with you. Did you you, you did some travel? Yeah, yeah, you got out, you saw the sites. Where, where did you go? What did you eat? And, and how was your life? Oh, man. Um, overall, pretty good. I went to New Orleans, uh, which is where I'm from. Um, I ate some standards. I had some gumbo. Um, I had some amazing pho, which, uh, I mean, there's no secret about that. New Orleans has a really good Vietnamese cuisine scene. Um, because there's a huge Vietnamese population there. So surprisingly, if you go to New Orleans, eat some Vietnamese food because it's really, really good. Um, but I went for a funeral, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> so Sorry. I, no, no, it's all good. Um, um, so I went for a funeral, uh, but I did uh, get to do a lot of family gathering and eating and um, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. How about y'all? Our, my Labor Day was pretty uneventful. I sat around. <laughs> I mean, Labor Day weekend was mostly just sitting around and playing video games and watching TV. Nothing terribly exciting. But uh, we did actually – no, we didn't do anything on Labor Day. But Sunday we had some friends come over and uh, play some board games and we ate pizza and stuff. So s- sort of sort of an American celebration. Not nearly enough hot dogs and nonsense like that, but – Sure, sure. Either of you guys play games this weekend? Anything in, in particular? Oh man, I have played so so much <laughs> Apex Legends and Teamfight Tactics. It's disgusting. Yeah, you guys are getting pretty good at Apex, aren't you? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm one win away from platinum in rank. Nice. So I, w- I won't call myself good, but I'm getting better. <laughs> I didn't play Jack. Uh, my brother. So I stayed with my parents when I was in New Orleans, and my brother was out of town. And he took his Xbox. So, <laughs> I know. The jerk. Do you but not bring your Switch play, with you? I did bring my Switch. So I played a little bit of uh, a little bit of Fire Emblem when I could. Not at the funeral, but um, <laughs> outside of the funeral, I did play Fire Emblem. Um, which is great. Second playthrough, just as good. Um, doing the New Game Plus? Doing right? the New Game Plus, yeah. Uh, the relationships are just as lengthy. Um, <laughs> but but the strategy and everything else uh, is still, I mean, pretty fantastic. Wow. Right on. Right on. Well, Sean, how about you, man? How, how was your Labor Day, and, and did you play any games over the weekend? Uh, yeah, uh, it was great. So um, obviously played a lot of Valgrave for testing purposes and things like that, but I was able on Labor Day to go to one of my friend's houses and have a little bit of a land session with him. So. I haven't been nice. able to hang out with him as, as much since because he has a long commute and everything. So since I, I left right and haven't been able to hang out with him, it was great to go down and we played League of Legends. 
we won like six we played six ranked games won them all it was a nice <laughs> nice nice Right on, right on. Well, hey, uh, I, my Labor Day was, was also good. I Like you, John, I didn't do anything at all. Uh, had some of the typical Labor Day eats, uh, played a variety of different games, some some uh, some Halo, some Gears of War 4, um, just kind of kept it low-key, which was, which was nice. Enjoyed the uh, kickoff of uh, some college football. I'm, I'm kind of nutty when it comes to that stuff, so it was enjoyable to sit on Saturday, Sunday, and even Monday night they had a game to sit and watch some of that, but... Um, folks, hey, you're listening again to episode 57 of the FPB Gaming Podcast. We would love for you to interact with us. We'd love to know what do you typically do on Labor Day or any three-day long weekend holiday of the sort. Shoot us an email at fairandbalancedplay at gmail.com and let us know. With that said, uh, John, let's kick it to you. We're going to kind of do a new segment for the first show of each month as long as we remember to do so. We want to talk about <laughs> what games uh, are coming out that month. And September is a doozy. Give us some of the heavy hitters that are coming. Actually, the next like three months, into, like is just like a nonstop flow of games. But in terms of the biggest things coming out this month, we have the Final Fantasy VII remaster drops for PlayStation Four. I think it actually came out yesterday. Which, I mean, if you were into Final Fantasy, the old school Final Fantasy games that take 140 hours, that's great. Otherwise, you probably yeah. don't care. Um, Gears Five comes out in what like a week. Well, early release is tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern for folks who have Game Pass Ultimate or who pre-ordered the Ultimate Edition of the game. Otherwise, full global launch is on Tuesday. So I am, I'm over the moon excited. Yeah, you've been you've been playing a lot of the uh, whatever their horde mode, right? Their firefighter. Yeah, yeah, I've been playing a lot of that in in some Gears of War four, along with just the the standard versus. And I, yeah, I'm I'm pretty giddy at this point. Uh, That's awesome. Forward to to playing that. Yeah, yeah, those are the two exclusives. Um, over all systems, you have Monster Hunter World has a really big expansion called Iceborne coming out, oh, and I'm yes. actually probably going to have to re-download that game and give it a shot because I really enjoyed Monster Hunter World um, back when I played it a bunch uh, with with Fungus. Uh, right. Borderlands Three comes out in a few days, and not that any of us probably care, but NHL Twenty and FIFA Twenty both came out or mm-hmm. are both coming out this month. So, um, yeah, those are some of the bigger bigger names that I think are probably gonna have most oh uh here's another big one kirby super clash i'm so sorry kirby super (laughs) (laughs) well actually i am forgetting a big one the new or the i guess i guess it's a remaster or maybe it's a remake of legend of zelda Link's awakening oh Um, yeah that one is actually pretty big yeah Yeah, i'm i'm very curious how that turns out because they have like completely redone that game yeah my uh my girlfriend actually bought it for me for my birthday so it's going to be coming in the mail eventually whenever it comes out. Nice. So I'm, I'm pretty right stoked on. for that. Yeah, I never played the original. So My wife was a big fan of the original Link's Awakening. I think she had, she has it for 3DS or something like that, but mm-hmm. I never played it either. But yeah, so that's what's coming out, at least for September. Yeah, any those. I mean, I'm I'm a day one for Gears uh, Fungus. Obviously, you, you got that the Link game. Is there any day one purchases on on any of that for you guys? I know maybe some interest in the Monster Hunter, but anything that you're for sure getting right away? Um, no, not really. <laughs> I think I mean I'm excited for Borderlands Three only because I think the Borderlands games are fun, but they are not a day one purchase for me. I don't really care sure. when I ever play them. I think yeah, the next definitely. like actual 
I don't know. There's Elden Ring comes out sometime next year. I'll obviously buy that day, you know, the day it comes out because it's from software and I'm a fanboy. But I think the next like pre-order game for me is going to be Cyberpunk 2077. Cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Uh, in April. I'm very excited about that. They released a uh, mm-hmm. kind of a deep dive for it, kind of eking into news and notes here. But they released like a deep dive video where they showed more like gameplay stuff. And I mean, obviously, it's it's doctored up because it's a narrated presentation mm-hmm. of the game. But um, I'm I'm pretty damn stoked for that game. It's gonna well, be awesome. Let, yeah, let's talk about that because it sounds like all four of us are pretty excited for it. I actually haven't watched that yet. Uh, what what was it? Just kind of another. It sounds like a narration of hey, this is just new stuff that we're sharing about the game, or was there something more than that? It was like looking at a mission from two different play styles one is a net runner where you're like the you know cyber hacker kind of character and the other one i think they call him a solo which is basically where you're like a heavy um so i I, it was it was just kind of like i only watched it once it was like a few days ago so i don't remember all all the details but it was uh just the different ways you can approach a mission and kind Mm -hmm. of the different ways that those character types will play it seems like the game is really going to be open to whatever play style you feel like approaching it with. So that's I appreciate that about it. That's pretty rad. Is it going to be like what's the uh, what's the, like what's the overall overall feel? Because it's not going to be anything like The Witcher, right? It's going to be more like I actually first think person it, shooter kind of thing. So it is a first person shooter technically. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would actually say it's going to be very similar to, in terms of like world and how you interact, I think it's going to be pretty similar to The Witcher because it's going to be a lot of dialogue, relationship building, getting to know the world, like understanding the world building, taking, you know, side quests. I think side quests are going to be a really big part of it um, and using those to kind of like understand the the gangs and the city districts and things like that. So in in, in terms of comparing like, the world building style and you know if you if you watch the uh is it clip it no that's not uh, right. no clip no, no clip, clip. <laughs> if you watch the clip. no the no clip documentary on like the making of the witcher 3 they talked about how the player needs to interact with something every 15 seconds mm-hmm. is their motto and i i can just from the what gameplay footage i've seen i think that's pretty apparent i think it's going to be a lot of just wandering around as you're doing missions and observing things going on in the world mm-hmm but speaking speaking of the witcher 3 i i feel like an idiot i didn't save this but there was an article floating around just within the last two days that um maybe it was paul tassie from forbes who wrote about it but it was it was a report on an earnings call that cdpr had for i guess what it's september so probably was for the second quarter but apparently the witcher 3 like still sells really well and i think actually in the second quarter it, it for whatever reason had a bit of a resurgence um to this time about a year ago, I think if I remember correctly, if I find the article, we can throw it in the show notes. So, so take all this with a grain of salt. But essentially, there was some quotes in there from I, I'm assuming it's the the CEO or one of the chief executives for um, for uh, CD Project um, that they will be moving towards with Cyberpunk and The Witcher, very much a dual model franchise development style of business it seemed to be if you read between the lines it sounded like that hey we make too much money and do too too great a business from <laughs> the witcher that it, it 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 would behoove us to to not approach making another game sooner rather than later so there was no, nothing about like dates or anything of the sort like that but you very much got the vibe that it'll probably be 
you know, five years or less the next time we're hearing or even seeing another installment of The Witcher as they then move to develop, you know, more cyberpunk games. I think they're assuming cyberpunk's going to just be a total financial success. I mean, it's probably review proof at this point just because of their pedigree. I don't know, man. Gamers are really into hating on things for very arbitrary reasons lately. (laughs) That's No, I I mean, that's... That's true, but but you know what? Those same people that like shout on the mountaintops of Twitter also they still buy the game. So I, I don't really think that well that's true. <laughs> that's me. I'm a little cynical about no, it. No, I think that's um, fair. They did so, they did just announce with Cyberpunk that uh, they've confirmed that they are bringing a multiplayer mode to the game. Um, yeah, it just came out the other day. So the way they've they've put it out there, and this of course pissed people off because um, you know. To, to quote a Twitter warrior, why would you waste time and resources on multiplayer? I want a single-player game. So, uh, <laughs> But they've already confirmed that the order of operations is they're going to release Cyberpunk 2077 in full, like for single-player. Then they're going to focus on producing the free DLC, like story expansions that they want to do for it that they have planned already. And then once those are all done, then they're going to mm-hmm. release a multiplayer mode. But they've started hiring people they've already like put up job postings for people with expertise in the world of multiplayer gaming so i'm really curious what it what it turns out to be i hope it's like a multiplayer story mode because i think that would be cool as hell but we'll see yeah who knows definitely definitely um i i would say let's let's uh let's jump into to what we want to talk about tonight yeah um, for sure this is some of the news notes we can circle back around. Unless there was something really pressing to bring up. The only other thing I had was something Halo related, but that's not that's not pressing at all. Meh. We, we got that. a year till that game comes out. We, we definitely <laughs> do. So so let, yeah, let's shift now our focus to, to Sean, who's with us. So Sean, um, you uh, used to work uh, at Riot Games, um, and you recently, or not even that recently, but now you uh, operate your own dev studio. Just. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you did at Riot, and now what you're doing at your current dev studio and what the project is. And then we'll just kind of let conversation flow from there. I know we got some questions uh, we all want to ask. John, we'll, we'll let you kind of run through some of those as as he as he goes through what he has to share with us. But thanks again so much for coming on. And yeah, share with us. Yeah, um, I started at Riot probably about nine years ago now as just a support agent. Um I had a guy that I knew from a league that I ran for Dota because Dota used to be inside of Battle.net and the Warcraft 3 as a mod. So there weren't any like rich features around matchmaking or balancing skills or anything like that. Um, So what we did is we basically built a community around that. Uh, We had over uh, 600,000 registered users on that and often had like CCs like above 10, uh, 10 to 25K. Uh, area. So it was kind of a, a very active thing. One of the guys I knew there went to work for Riot. And it was kind of seen as this company at the time that was like, uh, this is kind of weird. Like maybe they're going to make it. They took a lot of people from the Dota community and stuff to, you know, build their community and to build their game. And uh, but one of my friends went there and he invited me over. And that's how I got in and got started. And from there, um, I just kind of launched my career into uh, development. So I started writing scripts that would automate certain tasks, you know, started improving on some of the tools that we were using so people could uh, more quickly do their job, you know, and since Riot was ballooning at that point in time, right? Like, I think when I joined, like, uh, there were only, like, 50 or 100,000 players, you know, and by the time I left, there were, like, 100 million, so I got to kind of see the growth from the beginning there and got very fortunate um, with things like stock options there. Um, 
And uh, so I taught myself development. They're like, hey, just do this full time because you're saving us more money doing development than, you know, spending your effort on tickets. So I did that and slowly built up a team around me. Uh, when I left, we were about 15 developers. And I was also kind of helping lead and guide the, the department in various other ways. Uh, but, uh, you know, my passion was really about making games. I had already been making Valgrave for a year and a half at that point. Um, and dumped, you know, thousands and thousands of hours into it. And it was just kind of getting to the point where I felt like I needed to make a decision um, about, uh, you know, staying at Riot or going to do that full time as we were approaching launch and talking about launch. And I was setting up the company and things like that. And so, you know, I made the leap um, and started Valgrave. And that was about a year ago. And uh, here we are about to launch, you know, it feels a, a little bit uh, unreal because I was always... I always had a dream of, you know, making my own games and having my own company and things like that. And now it feels really real. And uh, we're just about two weeks away from launch now. That's pretty, awesome. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I admit I already knew that story for the most part, but it is pretty, pretty crazy to think that you started at Riot Games when League of Legends was only fifty to 100,000 people, considering it's like the most played game in the world at this point. Um, just... If 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 that doesn't describe how the games industry has exploded in the last decade, I don't know what does. Is it is it the most played game in the world? I'm pretty sure it still is, but I, I well, that depends because most of the statistics you can find on that are specifically talking about PC games, and so it's a little harder to account for consoles, I think. But mm-hmm. I know, I mean, it does consistently have over a hundred million players every month. From the last thing I saw, so I don't know. That's a lot of flipping yeah. people, but nope. it really is. Well, Sean, share with share with us now. Then what what Valgrave is? Um, yeah. What what type of game it is? What what when you're launching? Um, and why why did you want to go do this compared to what you were doing at League of Legends? Beyond just the fact that you wanted to make your own games or own your own company, what what really when you get to the heart of it made you say, "I'm going to leave what is arguably." an incredible job, career, you're having at Riot, mm-hmm. to go start your own thing and, and kind of take some risk in a sense. Share with us a little bit about that. Yeah, so at Riot, um, you know, as I grew and kind of had a technical department, like most of what I was doing was making tools, right? So um, we created this thing called Blitzcrank Bot, which is like automated machine learning for customer support. And we were one of the very first people that, uh, you know, had uh, written machine learning for customer service and things like that. Um, and because some people had attempted it and it had gone really poorly because people were like, I don't want to talk to robots. They weren't done very well. I usually tried to trick you into thinking they were people. So we just kind of did it like kind of tongue in cheek, like, hey, I'm a robot and I make mistakes. Sorry if this is a mistake type of thing, you know, and people responded very well to it. Um, we uh, we were expecting to take a little bit of dip, but we're just like, hey, um, We'll take a bit of a dip on these tickets that we automate, but the tickets that we can't automate where people are losing their accounts and stuff, uh, we can get a much higher raise in, and that's probably worth it because those are like much more serious issues. Um, but then we released it, and players actually liked it more than agents, um, mostly because getting an answer you know, in 15 seconds instead of having to wait. Uh, at the time, I think it was like about 72 hours to a week for an agent to get back to your ticket. You know, People really liked that, and it was pretty accurate. So we developed that for a long time. and. Um, that's kind of like the area I was in. I didn't really get to like make games or help with the design or anything like that. Uh, I did things like compensation. So you might remember that uh, there was a big thing when League uh, decided that it was going to sell uh, uh, limited skins, you know, skins they had promised they'd never sell again and things like that. And people were upset, but it's just like, hey, how do you balance the fact that like 
we launched a skin and there were only like 20,000 people bought it because there weren't that many players. And now we have hundreds of millions of players that would love to have a crack at this skin and they just never get it again just because they didn't happen to be playing at that time. So they were kind of like weighing that. So I helped, you know, figure that strategy out. Like I was like, hey, why don't we just refund them, but let them keep the skin and stuff, you know, and, uh, and worked on, on that kind of the tools that kind of like gave all that RP back to people, identified the right players and things like that. So if you ever got compensation from Riot, or anything was broken on your account and then it magically fixed itself like a day or two later like that was certainly uh our team that was doing that for you but you know i wanted to work on games so uh that's why i kind of took the jump out i could have transferred internally but um you know as you can see from riot they still haven't launched a second game so i really wanted to get the experience <laughs> launching a game under my belt so that kind of <laughs> that kind of encouraged me to take on valgrave <laughs> so you you taught yourself coding, right? Like, you do you have any formal education in coding, or did you pretty much just learn it all on your own? I took a, a few classes in high school and college uh, for coding, just some like the one on ones and the basics. So I had a little bit to go off of, uh, but uh, no, my degree is not in coding. So a lot of it was self taught, but even more of it was taught by you know my friends like Michael and uh, Jared and Adam, and so. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I'd get stuck and they'd, they'd help me. Uh, I remember because we, Michael was the person I hired first on the team to join me, and I didn't know what a uh, function was. Like, I, I, I didn't remember it. So I, <laughs> I sent him a thing and I was like, hey man, what's the function? And it's like, he like uses all these like technical terms, I think specific to Perl and stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, you really need to simplify this. He's like, oh, it runs the same code more, more than once. And I'm like, oh, that's really useful. And he's like, wait, what does your code look like? And I sent him some example code. He's like, Oh my gosh. And that's why he's like, because before he thought like I was like, because I was touching millions of accounts and stuff. He's like, oh man, Sean knows way more than me. And he's like, Sean doesn't know anything. And I'm like, yeah, I, I told you I don't know anything and they should join us. So that's how, how I got the first member of the, of the wolf team, as we called it. So so what can you tell us about about the game? Like, what is the game exactly? Like, what is it? What does it ask you to do? Is there a story? What's the story? What's the... Uh... Like if you were pitching this game to customers, what would you say about it? Yeah, um, Valgrave Immortal Planes is a combo-based battle royale. So in most battle royales, you play Fortnite and PUBG and Apex, right? It's all about shooting. Mm -hmm. It's about Twitch mechanics. It's about like how accurate can you get and things like that. Um, you know, Apex started to come towards us a little bit with like the casting of abilities and so forth. But this game is purely abilities. It's purely, you know uppercuts, kicks, you have hooks, you have fireballs, you have meteors, you have black holes and things that you can cast. And each game, uh, you can have up to, you can pick five spells or abilities that you want and uh, come up with new combinations and things like that. So it's very like, it's very different each time that you play it. Like one time you might kind of be a brawler and you're like dashing and punching people. And another time you might be like the long range sniper where you're casting like laser beams and shooting um, ice arrows at people from a distance. So hmm. uh, we, we uh, made it because, uh, Two and a half years ago, that was like uh, PUBG came out and I played and I thought, because uh, I had played like King of the Kill and I was like, I really like this, I really like this. And then PUBG came out and I played and I'm like, this is going to be like huge, right? Like the, the first day I played it, I'm like, this is going to be a huge game. And I'm like, man, I really wish I liked shooters more because I like shooters, but I'm not that great at them. And so I was like, I want to make one that's like more of an RPG based, right? And then, you know, within like two weeks of PUBG coming out, like we had started on the, the first prototypes for uh, Valgrave mm -hmm. and Mortal Planes. And so one of the things, because I, so I got to do some of the, I guess you call it alpha testing when you were first doing the server testing stuff. One of the things I personally find really unique about it is one, you know, you just sort of pick up these skills on the ground and get to make your own combinations. 
but also you have like NPCs in there that you can kill and like level up your character. Um, like how does the character leveling work in terms of like experience and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime uh, you kill a player, you get all of their experience. And, uh, and there's also NPCs on the map that you can kill. Uh, they'll do damage to you, but they're not a huge threat. We want to add bosses at a later date, but we didn't think, we thought like maybe we would want people to get used to the game and understand the game and have some players make some guides for us before we introduce bosses <laughs> that might be able to kill you. So the NPCs aren't going to kill you, <laughs> but they'll take some of your health and you'll have to fight with them. And they're mostly there as a, uh, they do two very important things from a game design perspective. Uh, one thing is that um, they help you learn the game before you have to fight with another player. So like one thing that we saw when we initially played before we had NPCs is people would play and they died. They never get to use their combo or something like that, right? Or they never get to like feel awesome for like what they were trying. Um, but NPCs solve that because you have this like basically training uh, dummy from other games that you can do that you can beat up on and uh, try your combo out and fill it out before you go fight another player. So that way it kind of loose. Uh, lessens the load of like, oh, I have this new combo. I've never used it before. And now I'm expected to PVP with it. This is going to be bad. You now have a, something to, to try it on, which helps a lot. And the second thing is the levels give you um, HP when you, you level up. And uh, uh, we've, we've toyed around with increasing damage and movement speed um, to various levels as well. So they make you a little bit stronger. It's not so strong that, you know, a level 10, like, cannot lose to a level one. Like, it's only um, a small amount of strength. But it is, it, it's also there to encourage a more aggressive play style, like uh, hiding is, is uh, not a very effective strategy in Valgrave. And the idea there is that since the game has a lot of replayability, um, it's a, more about like finding those combos. So we want you to get your combo, fight with another person, and then try for the next one, rather than you know maybe PUBG or something where maybe you're looting for 30 minutes and then the battle's over in 10 seconds and you didn't even get a fire, you know, your car 98 that you finally got decked out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that has been always been one of my big problems with a lot of the slower-paced battle royales like PUBG is you spend 30 minutes looting, you get to the last circle, there's a two-second fight where you get shot in the head and then the game's just over. It's basically just a looting and hiding simulator unless you play, like, the crazy suicide-aggressive style. So but. talk a little bit about some of those design tangibles. Things like so, how how many players are in a match at a time? Is it team based? Is it solo? And with this level system you have, and with it being combo and ability based, are engagements typically a bit longer because time to kills are a little longer because of some of the setup that you have, or does the leveling process kind of even that out depending on, you know, like you said, is if a level ten is is going up against a level one is he just crushing the level one every time and then is a is a level 10 and a level nine or a level eight are they going to be engaged in some combat for a while because of the level system because of the damage or the defenses they have how does it separate itself in those tangible ways that all uh battle rails have in its own unique way that you've been sharing yeah definitely as the game goes along the time to kill goes up so we wanted to have a low time to kill at the beginning because you might not have a very good combo and you might not have enough damage to actually finish somebody. And we don't want you just getting stuck in a fight for, you know, 10 minutes as the zone is closing and then the zone being the thing that decides every fight. So uh, we had like the lower health at the beginning. So time to kill goes up as as the game link goes up because it's kind of assuming uh, you're getting better combos and you're able to kind of better DPS and it's able to work a little bit better. Um, time to kills are pretty long. I would say an average fight lasts somewhere between like 8 and 15 seconds. I'd say it's very similar to something uh, like League of Legends. Uh, 
-hmm. if you took out the assassins. <laughs> so you don't have anybody like popping you in like a second or a half or anything like that. So time to kills are, are much, much longer. And the idea there is, you know, again, that kind of thing, like we want you to be able to use your combo, like getting the head, the jump on somebody, getting your combo off first because the cooldowns are relatively low too. Um, there are very few cooldowns that are more than 10 seconds. Uh, you know, uh, so getting the jump on somebody and being able to get your spells off first and get your second rotation out earlier is uh, pretty effective. But there's uh, there's so much more to the strategy and like how you're playing the game. Um, you know, there's walls and there's spell shields and things like that. So uh, you can definitely uh, really use those abilities to uh, to get an advantage on a player. There's one that creates kind of a big wall. We call it uh, entangling wall, and it creates a big dome that you fight in with the other player, right? So if you're a melee, you can kind of get up next to somebody, lock both of you in this dome, and then melee the guy down, right? And mm -hmm. whereas maybe that guy's ranged and he wants to have spells that let him run away and not get caught in the dome and, like, uh, shoot at you from a range, so. Hmm. Is it going to be team-based right off the back, or is it totally solo? Uh, yeah, there's uh, we have team and, and solo. We're going to start with just teams first, because uh, mm -hmm. we don't know how many players to expect. If we have enough player base to keep both a solo queue and a team queue up, then we're going to keep it up. Right now, uh, teams are four players, but it's literally a back-end configuration. So as we have more players and we get feedback from players, we can increase that or decrease that. So, Is it a how many, 100 people? Sorry, I think we have the same question. Is it 100 yeah, yeah, people in an, uh, in an arena? Uh, we're targeting 60 right now because um, the map's uh, a bit smaller than some of the other maps. Uh, mm. So 60 is kind of what we're targeting at. Um, because we saw some negative effects when we were looking at Apex Legends and Fortnite, uh, you know, uh, you saw it in the early tournaments and stuff. As if if people are kind of playing like a more passive, or people survive longer, uh, and uh, then once there's 60 people in a zone and they're all having to replicate with each other, you get some bad performance issues. You know, if there's 80, uh, there's 60 left at the beginning because you had 80 and you only a few people died. So we're starting at a little bit lower, um, and as we increase performance and stuff, we think we're going to expand the map and. We're gonna really try to aim at the eighty and hundred as we as we get to that point. What talking about looking at some of the other battle royales? What were some of the the biggest influences that you and the team looked at when deciding to make a BR? I mean, because I guess it, I guess it sounds like to me, and and please correct my ignorance here if I'm wrong, but I haven't played a, a moment of League of Legends, but it sounds like you guys are taking some of the combat styles and mechanics from a game like league and you're, and you're 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 letting that influence kind of how you want this br to go as you kind of um uh, alluded to earlier wanting to be combo based but most other brs are are all shooters to some degree so what what things did you take mm -hmm. that felt like really were kind of plug and play nicely into what you guys were trying to do and what are some things that you kind of had to maybe create that other brs just don't have because of the combat style mm-hmm yeah, that's a great question. Um, one of the, the best design principles that I think BRs have that make them so fun is that you kind of put all these people in a match and you know only one person or one team can win at the end. So everybody goes into a match and generally you're not expecting to win. When you play like symmetrical games like CSGO or League of Legends or something like that, you're just like, man, I should win like half the time. But like your brain doesn't really register it that well. So like anytime you lose, it feels really, really bad. But when you lose an Apex Legends or... Fortnite or PUBG, you don't feel that bad because you kind of knew that like the chances of mm -hmm. you getting first place were were relatively low. So that was one thing that I was just like, that is like that is the, the creme de la creme. So you know, we that's why we aimed at at least sixty people because we were just like we can't go too low because we go with too low then we lose that magic effect. People just expect to win all the time when they don't win. Um, team fight tactics is a game that uh, it's a game mode of League of Legends that just came out and it's 
it's an auto chess where there's eight people, right? And people get really upset when they lose, even though like you really should only expect yourself to win one out of every eight games in a fair match. Like, I think get so upset. I looked at this. <laughs> I was looking at stats the other day, and the best players in Team Fight Tactics, I think the highest win rate I've seen is twenty five percent, and that's like mm-hmm. for the best of the best Grandmaster players. Exactly. So, yeah. Fifty so percent would be ridiculous. That, yeah. But so they, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good players recognize that they can't do it, and that's how they get better, and they aim at like getting top four instead of getting top one and things like that. But um, that's that's what Battle Royale just removes, because everybody just kind of ex- like expects, you know, not to make the top spot, you know, and they're just happy if they get more than half people, which happens a lot, because people die really fast and things like that. And you can you can do some efforts to ensure that you end up at a, a higher place in Battle Royales by taking less engagements or taking only engagements you can win. Mm-hmm. So that was something that was great. Um, another big influence, like you were asking about, is... Uh, 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 Dota Dota 2 and Dota 1 had this mode called Ability Draft, which is just a, a game mode that I loved. Basically, how that worked is you went into the game and you played a standard MOBA-type game, five players against five players, but instead of picking normal characters, you would pick your, your character, which would determine like if you're a range or melee and your base stats, and then you would start to pick abilities as well. So it would pick 25 of the characters through all their abilities, and you just get to basically make your own character. And I love that game mode a lot. Like, it wasn't balanced because Dota 2, that wasn't the primary game mode and things like that, so they didn't balance around it. Um, so a lot of times there were imbalanced combinations. I'm like, what if you had a balanced version of Ability Draft, right? That was also a Battle Royale. And that's kind of uh, what Valgrave uh, is trying to aim at. You kind of have uh, about 40 abilities that you can choose from. And they've kind mm-hmm. of been balanced a little bit that they all have their their use cases. So you may have already explained this, and I just didn't didn't pick up on it. Um, but I know you said there will be, there's going to be progression in your game um, from, from battling and fighting NPCs. And I think you said like finding, uh, you find things on the map. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so is there, uh, so like part of the, the way you play, you know, the typical shooters, right. Is that you run around and you find components for your guns or the better guns, the better shields and stuff. Is there going to be that element of, oh, I landed in a, a treasure trove of stuff, or I landed by an NPC that's going to buff me more than the other guy's NPC? Like, is there going to be that random generation of, of luck and loot, in a sense? Yeah, yeah. So when you drop in, there's little, they're basically treasure chests that uh, have three abilities each in them. So you kind of go, you pop them open, and then you have, like, three abilities. You can pick up a maximum of five. So once you've seen two, you can have a full set. But mm-hmm. Most people, when they play, they're like, I want to try this combo, right? So you're looking for a specific set, which your chances of that are much lower. So then you're encouraged to kind of do that looting phase where you're trying to go check all the chests, get the combination that you want, kill the enemies to get some levels up to. You can also uh, destroy abilities that you don't like uh, to gain EXP too. So you kind of just like, boom, 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 boom. So you kind of have this nice like sound effect that plays. You gain EXP and levels as you go, and you, you find abilities that you don't want as well. Mm-hmm. So when I'm thinking of... Of battle royales because I've I've played a lot of Fortnite. I've played a lot of Apex. Uh, obviously, this is different, um, but I imagine from a developer standpoint, like one of the things you, you have to be thinking about all the time is like what what players like and don't like, right? So, like you mentioned, like uh, I think you mentioned like how pe- players don't really like when um, like people camp and and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, two of the things that come to my mind when I think what what do I not like about a battle royale like what what happens that makes me or, or my teammates or somebody say like uh okay i'm done with this game for right now 
And like the two things that come to mind are uh, one is getting ganged up on or, or quote unquote three peed. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you fight someone else and then as soon as it, that is it ends, somebody else was waiting on you and they jump in and, and just take you over. Um, and the other thing is just getting like terrible luck. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you land three games in a row and you can't find anything and you say, forget this game. I'm done. You know, Mm-hmm. How uh, have you thought of have have you or your team thought about those things and thought about like how you might approach those or do you think that's just kind of the nature of the beast in a way and that's just part of the battle royale experience? Mm-hmm. There's basically uh, two ways that address each of those points. So I'll tackle the unlucky one first because I think it's a little bit more simple. Um, uh, we tackle that one by kind of making each ability. Uh, uh, pretty powerful so, so you'll, you'll notice like some of the abilities that you're just like this is like doesn't seem very strong um mm-hmm. we have a lot of players that come to our game and they pick up some abilities like there's one that casts a wall in front of you it casts this giant wall in front of you and you're just like how is this like as good as a laser beam right which can like shoot through walls shoot pretty far does like 50 right. damage or yeah. like half your health you're like why would i take this right <laughs> um but then as Pete, but there's like a uh, you can use the wall to jump and get to locations that you shouldn't be at. So you can like get on top of things and snipe people from locations that you can't be at. You can use it to, oh. to re- the cooldown is really low. So you can actually have three of them out. So you can kind of put yourself in a triangle, for example. And uh, and then that gives you time to like uh, regain your senses, regain some health and things like that before you take the fight again. So it's actually like a particularly powerful ability that blocks mm-hmm. a lot of projectiles. So laser beams usually not enough to kill you on your own. So you throw up a wall against somebody that's got laser beam, maybe they do hit you, but now uh, they have to come get close to you to uh, finish you off and things like that. So it can become a very powerful uh, ability in a, uh, once you start to understand it. So I think that's kind of how we, we do that. Like when you play Apex, you go in and you're just like, man, I only got pistols. And you're just like, pistols are just not as good right. as, <laughs> as, you know, the assault right. rifles. But um, we, we just try to take the idea that like every ability should be balanced. And as we saw like players not using them or thinking they were, too weak, right? We would just uh, continuously buff them, lowering their cooldowns, um, enhancing their, their their effects and things like that too. So, uh, do you do you fear that use. that you'll get a, a lawsuit from Epic Games for having walls in a battle royale? Buildable <laughs> <laughs> walls. Too, not too worried about it. I don't think Epic okay. likes to see people who use Unreal Engine. <laughs> it would look really bad for them. <laughs> that would so. be pretty hilarious though also really obnoxious but mm-hmm. so <laughs> when you said make yourself in a little triangle yeah all i could think about was well that's fortnite yeah put yourself <laughs> in a bad position and then diarrhea a tower out right um so i i can't help but make a comparison when i was thinking about the time i spent playing the game to like action mmos like blade and soul sean i don't know if you ever played blade and soul i played it for a little bit when yeah. it came out because i was curious but the like the the action style are like fantasy combat i guess where you're it's it's all about like mobility and combo timing and stuff like that i think that's something that's pretty unique to battle royales because basically the only other place i've seen that type of of game was in an mmo like blade and soul or black desert that's kind of the action mmo as well um i don't know that's I guess that, my point being, is that I think that kind of takes away from the randomness of the loot because it is more about skill and combo timing and coming up with unique, interesting combos 
seeing what somebody has mid-fight and maybe running away, changing your situation and, and you know, bring back a different skill set or something, I feel like there's more, like, education learning curve to how, like, the skills involved as opposed to when I look at something like Apex Legends or PUBG, it's literally just, do I have a better gun? I mean, aim matters, obviously. But in, in the end, it's like, if you get to the end of a game of Apex Legends, if you have a Mastiff and the other guy has an R99 and you're two feet away from each other, the guy with the Mastiff is going to win. That's right. just how it is. <laughs> so, And so I feel like that, the action combat style, where it does come down to like, player skill and combo timing and stuff like that. I feel like that will help curb a lot of what, you know, makes me upset in in battle royales, which is just oh, shitty luck, you know, RNG. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Like a lot of the people that really like Valgrave also really like fighting games. <laughs> like yeah. the people that play fighting games and have come and tried our game, they're like, I love this. This is awesome. Like this is like one of the, the like this is like what 3d fighters should be like you know so well and it makes sense because it is i mean people who like fighting games they like studying combo timing and you know frames and they're very precise gamers when it comes to that like high level skill play and mm-hmm. so it makes sense if if this is basically taking that same format and putting it into a completely different genre um i can see i can see the draw there but mm-hmm yeah. So, uh, did I, I feel like this is probably one of those just uh, bringing up what I said the uh, the the problem of like people getting three P teamed up on is that just how it's you know I don't even know what, how you alleviate that problem right Yeah, I think it's a hard I problem mean, to solve. I think it's going to yeah. definitely happen in the game a little bit. Um, one mm-hmm. thing that we do is. Uh, Healing isn't something you find in Valgrave. It's after you're out of combat, you just start to heal. Um, So, like, after you haven't cast an ability and after you haven't taken damage for... I think we have it... This is the number that we play around with a lot, so it'll probably be different very quickly. It's, like, 12 seconds right now. So if you can get away and hide for 12 seconds, you start to regen at a pretty fast rate. So if you Mm -hmm. get repeat, if you can, like, go hide in a corner, um, like, you'll regenerate and things like that. So you'll have a lot more uh, balance, I think, of... uh, a bounce, kind of bouncing the aggro in those situations around because mm-hmm. a lot of times you're just like when you're three feeding someone, the best way to do it is either like if kills are important, then you aim at the guy that's losing, and if uh, kills aren't important, you aim at the guy that's winning and then clean up the guy that's losing right after because um, he's on low health. Um, yeah. But in the game sense, uh, you know, there's no healing. Uh, I mean, there's no healing items. People can heal back up. So uh, if you go and you hide and you heal up, the the player should shoot up start shooting at the other person who then might like you'll hide if the other two players are doing it so i think there'll be a lot of uh a lot of uh damage avoidance and kind of hide uh hiding in that way in the game if you do get three p because you have a lot of abilities that kind of disengage a fight as well too so you can just kind of uh there's like smoke bombs there's like uh forward dash attack which can be used offensively and kind of homing it's like homing when you have it on somebody or you can use it to mm-hmm. just kind of run away um so if you don't like the situation you're in you can kind of pull out of it and then take uh, engagements that are uh, more possible when the zone's small like there's gonna be a lot less um, area to run away in so then mm-hmm. i think you'll start to see some of those three three p fights happen but uh, mm-hmm. you can use certain abilities that kind of dissuade people like using the wall or the anti-magic shield or the entangling wall that kind of creates the dome all of those can kind of help you wall off and fight just one person then heal up and then go engage with another person i feel like letting the like if the circle gets smaller and you know 
it does sort of become a cluster of just teams fighting each other. I feel like that's that to me adds to the game, like or to that specific match because I know even earlier today, um, Viper, friend of the show, and I were playing Apex, and we got it was like the second to last circle, and there were six teams left. And it was like you were in a World War One trench. It was just nonstop shotguns going off and machine gun fire. And like it was cool. Like that it was a very fun end to a match because there were so many people in a small chaotic space. So it is kind of nice that you have the ability early on to use disengage tools and escape and stuff like that, while mm-hmm. also having the chaos of large scale AoE abilities and stuff like that with multiple four player teams when the map gets small. Yeah. So, okay, Sean. So I have another uh, another question. Um, so your game is going to be 100% free, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, it's free to play, free to download. Uh, coming out soon. You can wishlist it now on Steam. Um, so with these free to play games, right? The typical way to actually make all those millions and billions of dollars is to like go a battle pass route or like a skin route, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if if and when um, you know the game takes off and does really well and gets to some point of um, consideration for those things, or maybe y'all are already considering them, do y'all do you does do you and your team have an idea of how you'd like to approach that? Um, is there another model you've seen where you've thought for us? What's y'all's general? Um, vibe going forward with that? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, one thing we promise is, which is just standard and free to play now, you know, is it's not pay to win. Uh, like you can't buy power your character. Like when you buy stuff in the game, it doesn't make you stronger. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so everyone's on an evil, even playing field, regardless of how much, how much or how little money they've spent. So um, what we're selling, and we'll have them at launch too, we have 10 characters. So um uh, Johnny's also written uh, all the lore for us too, so they each come with their unique story. They have their own splash art and things like that, so you can you can buy these characters that significantly change how you look. Uh, we're, we think we're going to make two or three available for free at the beginning, and uh, and then sell uh, sell the other uh, seven. So we're going to have like a two dollar price point, a five dollar price point, and a ten dollar price point, point. Um, and they're all kind of these different historical characters. So you know you have like. Uh, Musashi, who's this famous samurai. You have Shakespeare in the game, right? And his his whole lore is that, Shakespeare uh, is a character. Oh, yeah, brother, that was my favorite <laughs> lore to write. <laughs> Guy Shakespeare. Yeah, we do. Oh, what? so Shakespeare is an evil. I don't even know which, wizard who basically wrote the souls of people around him and soul used their souls as the currency to buy him his way into writing masterpiece works, basically. Something yes. along, something along those lines. So he's like a super <laughs> evil wizard. Okay. Yeah, that's those are, like, well, okay. All right. <laughs> you have like Genghis Khan. <laughs> he like got all this power from the horse god and drank this horse blood, and, and that's why he has like all this strength and stuff. Oh yes. <laughs> nice. Okay, so it's going to be kind of like a, I mean, kind of like Apex in, in that way, right? You buy the, you buy the uh, the next hero, if you will, the next Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. but they don't change. They don't change how the games play. There's, they don't have their own abilities or anything yet. We've talked about perhaps in the future maybe adding mm-hmm. different auto attack abilities. And if we did something like that, then we would make all the base characters bought, um, buyable via in-game currency that you can earn and things like that. 
So are hitboxes an issue at all with these characters? Nope, everyone's got the exact same uh, okay. same hitbox. So we, uh, you know, try to keep them all inside this uh, nice capsule. So that's something mm-hmm. that I did not like about Apex. I played it, so I was like, we're not doing Yeah. That. What are you talking about? It's so easy to shoot Wraith. Yeah, <laughs> with that ninja run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about this since you shared with Sean about having NPCs in the uh, on the map in the world space to allow players to kind of um, learn on the fly, so to say, and to kind of have a, a test demo of sorts in front of them. And I think that's really interesting because what it sounds like as I've been hearing you guys talk is you guys are really going for a a much higher skill spectrum of a battle royale. Obviously, it'll be, you know, people can pick it up and play it, but it sounds like the floor for skills a bit higher than maybe some of the other games. And I'm curious to know what what was what drove that? Is that just the nature of games like League of Legends, League of Legends, excuse me, League of Legends? Or <laughs> League Dota? of Le- Legends? <laughs> yeah, League of Legos? I don't know. But so why was that? Was there any, what, what was the, the philosophy or the desire to do that? Was that just to kind of set it apart from other Battle Royales who are, I mean, this game is clearly set apart from other BRs because it's not a shooter in, in a traditional sense. But talk about that a little bit because I, I just find that very intriguing. That's an element that you guys are putting in your BR. I don't know any other BR or multiplayer game that that does that with kind of the hey, this is how you play. Come come test it out on this, you know, uh, NPC in the game. But but talk a little bit about that. That that's kind of interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we definitely wanted to have a very high skill ceiling, but try to keep the floor a little bit lower. Um, so, and that was the like you hit the nail on the head, right? Like uh, with the training dummy type uh, analogy, it's just like. We definitely wanted to do it uh, that way because people are getting these abilities and sure you can shoot off the ice arrow and you see like the blue trail and it makes a freezing sound so you kind of have like an idea of what it might do but like as soon as you hit an npc and you see the npc slow down you're like okay this ability slows right so even if you haven't seen the ability before you're going to run into an npc you're going to try it you're going to have an understanding before you even fight uh what that ability does Um, and with low cooldowns people are kind of encouraged to spam their abilities when they get them to try to understand how they work and things like that so, and some abilities don't even make sense until you have a target. So there's one that's uh, a blink behind. So you, you teleport to the person and you appear behind them, right? And if you don't have an enemy, you can't actually use the spell. So uh, it was important to like uh, give pe- uh, people things to, to test out on. Um, so I think that lowers the skill forward, but I think it will be higher. You know, it's not just like find guns, point and shoot. You know, this gun is short range, this gun is medium range, this gun is a sniper rifle, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, Each one is, is, is particularly different. So... Uh, all of the abilities kind of have a straightforward use, um, like the wall, it blocks stuff, you can hide behind it. But then there's other uh, mini abilities, I'd say probably like a third to half of them have kind of these like very skillful uses. So you can use the wall, actually, you can throw it under you to get, and you can, uh, and that lets you jump up to areas you shouldn't be, or you can use it under you. And if you jump as you're putting it under you, you can use it to kind of launch yourself too. So you can kind of do the super jump with the wall um, and launch yourself farther and things like that. But with dash attack, you can use it to dash at your enemies in close distance, but you can also use it to kind of fly up in the air. And if you combine a few abilities together, you can actually kind of almost DBZ style, kind of fly around the air uh, looking for hmm. players and stuff like that. Obviously, you're giving your position away. If somebody wants to take you out, um, you know, you're a little bit out in the open, but you also kind of get to see the whole area and you can kind of hunt people very aggressively with the style um, uh, very effectively. So. Sean, um, how much will you be play- paying uh, Ninja to play your game on release? <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to pay him anything. Everyone's going to pay him anything. 
that he he'll have to play it. Like nobody will be playing Fortnite anymore, so no one will. Yeah. Watch it. <laughs> this we we thought. Yeah, when Apex dropped, we all thought Apex Legends was the Fortnite killer. No, this is it. This is happening. <laughs> well, so let's let's talk about that for a minute, right? Because that's you know back a year or two ago, maybe even more when when battle royals began to really pop up. You know, the debate everybody has is after they see a couple exist or they see a game like Fortnite have its success is all right you know is this a fad or is it gonna last and Mm -hmm. you know you think back to maybe the early 2000s late 90s when arena shooters began to really uh gain some popularity and then they were the the whole deal from Mm -hmm. from 2000 to to 2012 or so and and on but you know any platform of your choice every game just about had some kind of arena multiplayer then then brs come and here we are three four five years into it it definitely is established we have folks like yourself you know starting companies developing these games um what you know what what niche are you wanting to carve out here is it simply the the battle royale version for for lack of a better phrase the br version of, of a league of legends type style of game type or what's your guys's vision for this beyond just the style of it being a br mm-hmm. i think our vision is it's a very strategic and tactical br right like um uh, once you play the game like a lot of our abilities are uh you know, they're slow moving, they're large, characters are relatively large compared to projectiles too, so it's pretty simple to, you know, put your cursor close to the guy and shoot, you know, you're not trying to, like, snipe uh, to get those headshots or anything like that. It's a lot more about how you think, how you put your abilities together, and how you execute those combos. Uh, very little of, uh, uh, of the execution of abilities is uh, is about uh, raw skill. The skill is the, the thinking part of the game, so I think that this will be um, as people get to like beginning, like it's going to be hard to execute abilities, and you have to you have the ramp up time as you do any game. But I think once you got it, um, it's not going to be about like, oh uh, yeah, I can like hit laser beam every single time, and that's what makes me a better player. Like most people should be able to hit laser beam almost every time they use it after they practice the game a little bit. It'll be more about like dodging. You'll you'll be like, I see that guy's using laser beam, and I have sn- smoke bomb, and I'll wait about a second, and then I'll use my flash uh my smoke uh my smoke bomb and dodge the laser beam and things like that and kind of being aware of like what's happening and using your abilities in the, the right situation so um so you can have like these longer decision making times these longer combo times which i think will separate us a bit too um and when we started right there was no fortnite there was just PUBG. so uh, <laughs> we're just like um so once we came out you know we were a little bit um you know sad that uh, that like so many people have moved into the space. We thought we were going to get done a lot sooner and things like that uh, at mm-hmm. the time. Uh, but, uh, but we still think there's uh, definitely a space for the game. We may not be able to um, compete uh, directly at Fortnite or have as many players as Fortnite. We might get, you know, I think some of that's just luck and it's those things are harder to predict. Uh, but uh, I think that we definitely can get a niche of players who want to have a battle royale experience, want to play with their friends, have crazy stories to tell, like you have when you play battle royales. But you know, don't like aren't particularly big into shooters. Mm-hmm. So. so who's? What would you say is your market? Right? If there's a, you know, with every medium from uh, books to movies to everything, with with games, I mean, if I, I guess you don't you, you don't want to narrow down any like specific subsect mm-hmm. of people right but i mean it's a it's a it's a pc game right it's a computer game um like i'm i don't if i'm gonna be able to download it on my switch please tell me but i don't i don't <laughs> think that's the case right yeah not so really. <laughs> <laughs> um so who who's your market i mean is this because it's it's competitive 
and um, like I'm watching videos of it right now and it looks fun and it looks smooth. It's reminding me a lot of League of Legends and WoW, right? Like mm -hmm. it looks kind of like a WoW BR if there were mm -hmm. one, um, which great timing because WoW Classic. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so uh, when you're when you're making this game, is this, are you making this thinking uh, someone like, like Lumex uh, who is a, a big PC player who grew up playing games like this, plays a lot of League of Legends, um, or are you imagining this to branch off into the shooter crowd or even a younger crowd? Do you see younger players jumping into this as well, or is this more of a, a mature uh, kind of game, would you say? Yeah, I think that um, younger players will, will very much enjoy the game. Um, just from the aesthetic alone, I think it has a lot of appeal to um, has a strong appeal with a, a younger audience as well. I've showed it to a lot of uh, my nephews and nieces, and they they love it. They want to play it all the time. So oh, nice. Um, so the, so I think that will definitely get um, the younger crowd as well. But I think that uh, it'll probably be. Uh, I think like uh, Lumix is definitely inside the target audience. I think people that that play battle royales and enjoy them will enjoy this game. I think people that play uh, RPGs and particularly like the PvP aspects of the game. Uh, mm -hmm. will very much like this you know people that are playing wow arena like will love uh will love valgrave uh and also i think uh the fighting game crowd as well um who might you know want something a little bit more fresh than just like the standard 1v1s uh you know maybe they're getting they're older and they don't have the thousand of hours to spend getting like frame perfect and things like that but they still want to be competitive i think it's mm -hmm. this is going to be a great outlet for them you know kind of the the older uh, gamers who are like, you know what, I wish I could be good at something, but just don't have the thousands of hours to just get the execution down and the skill down. And I don't have, you know, maybe the reflexes I used to have when I was, you know, 18 and, you know, could pull 48 hours straight at playing games anymore. I think right, uh, a lot right. of those people who, who want to have that competitive aspect, but don't want to be limited by, you know, time and uh, reflexes will very mm -hmm. much, very much love this game. So. That's something I hadn't considered, and that's something that uh, I remember seeing a lot of articles about, even Onion articles about, like Apex Legends, where I think a couple of months after it had been out, there was an there was an Onion article that said like Apex finally, like people have finally gotten so good on Apex that it's impossible for anyone new to try it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's, <laughs> I mean, that, that's definitely daunting, right? Especially as a game like gathers any kind of momentum because you want your new players to enjoy it, right? You don't want them to just get steamrolled all the time. Mm -hmm. So I guess, again, that's where your NPCs can kind of act as, as many tutorials. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's that's clever. Um, clever having, having the NPCs in there. I had never thought about that in a Battle Royale setting. I think another kind of good thing it has going for it is it is the kind of cartoony style the like you described it as world of warcraft style like aesthetic and i think that's that that makes a lot of sense to me um i think it, it's also pretty straightforward like i think the the learning curve is really or hmm, skill ceiling is really high in terms of like what you can do with a four-man squad which is what like 20 abilities yeah. like that's yeah. a lot of potential <laughs> some crazy stuff. for coordination and combos <laughs> and stuff like that but i think the the nicest thing about that is when you go in to play the game, you just 
I'm trying to think how to describe. Like you're, it's similar to Fortnite. Fortnite. Like when you start playing Fortnite, you you drop down on your cute little parasol, and you find a gun in a house, and you just start shooting stuff and and swinging your little pickaxe. And once you've pickaxed enough houses and found enough guns, then you just sort of trot around the map and shoot things. Like you don't have to be good at Fortnite to play the game. And mm-hmm. that is, I think, one of the nicest draws of Battle Royales is you really don't have to be good at the game to play them. You just play them and lose. Um, but with this one, it's like you get an ability and then all of a sudden you can hop around and shoot a fireball. And that's just cool. Like regardless yeah. of whether you're successful with it or not, like you can now you know use an ability to jump really high in the air and then throw a black hole at somebody that slows them down. Like things like that. Like it's just, it's a cool fantasy-ish aesthetic that's very simple and it's not in and so in that way it reminds me a lot more of Fortnite than other uh, than like an apex or a PUBG. which apex and PUBG, you know you you have your gun and in apex you're sliding around all over the map moving super quick and stuff like that in PUBG, you're camping and slowly creeping around the map but either way in the end it just comes down to don't shoot unless the enemy's right there or else you know they'll hear you and then somebody will hunt you down and you have to be really careful, and it's all about camping and being, you know, it's it's just a very different play style for this game. And so I think that that'll lend itself well to a younger crowd who it's like, oh, I can I jump off this cloud, and then I land somewhere, and now I can shoot fireballs and black holes. Yeah, I'm into that. Like, that's mm-hmm. just cool. Yeah, um, when we do new player testing, I think that's really like what attracts people to the game. Like always somebody plays it and like if they're if they're a gamer and they you know they're giving it an honest uh an honest shot you know if, if they're not a gamer you know like my mom or somebody who doesn't play games and they're just like oh this is nice <laughs> but the real gamers that have you know like if you haven't played like uh, about a thousand hours of games and uh i think uh, you're probably not going to enjoy valgrave very much so the people that are like very core gamers they play it and they're like oh you can i bet you can do this right and then they go and they find the abilities the next round and they do it and just the the joy on the face that was awesome like even when they lose they're like that was awesome i did this thing right like or i learned how to do this thing right like uh, they love uh like for example uh what people love is there's some buildings you can get it, go into and you can go throw like a wall up on the door so the person can't get out and then you can like laser beam them by the wall stop <laughs> some people do that and they're just like that's the greatest and like it's not particularly like you're not like you're not necessarily like always going to win when you get in that situation but they just do it and they just they're just so ecstatic right or mm-hmm. you know somebody shoots like a huge fireball and the fireball is very slow moving and very large and like the first time they cast anti-magic shield right and block the fireball they're just like i am the coolest person in the world you know like i'm freaking john wick or something (laughs) (laughs) will you be adding a john wick knockoff skin to your uh yeah (laughs) how many different movies and tv show ips do you plan to steal from for your skins um you know uh because you're stealing from the English language with Shakespeare. Please add Einstein, if possible, because, I mean, you just got to go the whole academic uh, roster. We had, we had joked about adding Nikola Tesla. Mm-hmm. That would be very cool. That would be cool. <laughs> uh, so I know we're, uh, we just crossed our, uh, our threshold. Um, so we should probably get winding down um, unless y'all have more, some more questions. But the big burning question in my mind for you, Sean, is uh, what is your favorite game and why? Favorite game? Mm-hmm. Okay. So my favorite game when I, when I first played it, I think probably was Ocarina of Time. Uh, was probably like 
when I played it, that was like my greatest experience in gaming because I had come home uh, from my birthday party and uh, and my, my parents gave me an N64 and Ocarina of Time, right? And I got to play it first because uh, uh, a lot of my friends weren't able to make it to the birthday party. So oh, it was a lot of friends' friends. So my parents felt bad to me. I didn't notice I was having a great time. It was Chuck E. Cheese. So <laughs> <laughs> first I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. I don't care what your reason is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to play it. And I think that was like one of the very first times uh, I had played a game and I you know, I felt like I was Link. I felt like, you know, this yeah. awesome badass that was, like, running around and slashing and getting the sword and then having these relationships with characters and things like that. Like, I had played lots of games up until that point, like, on Super Nintendo and Nintendo. Like, I love Secret of Mana. That was the, that's got a special place in my heart, you know? But I never really felt like I was uh, any of the characters in Secret of Mana or anything like that. Or even when I played Link to the Past, I never really felt like I was uh, I was uh, Link in that game. Uh, but then when I played Ocarina of Time, I'm like, this is what games like could be, you know, like this this total another experience of being in another world and like stepping out into the Hyrule field the first time and just like watching everything and seeing how big the world was, and just being like, hmm. wow, this is awesome, right? Like, um, that was like definitely my thing. Um, right now, I'm probably playing like League of Legends the most still, <laughs> just because I know how to play it. I've been playing Final Fantasy fourteen a lot. Uh, about halfway through Shadowbringers, but haven't played a lot in the last couple of weeks, so I've been a little bit stalled on progress. I've played that game for four years, and you've played for like a month and a half, and you're ahead of me in the story now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I need to catch up. <laughs> Are there any... So, I've heard you say a couple times now this, like, that, uh, of playing games and feeling like, like you're the, the protagonist, right? Like, you feel like your link or like in your own game you feel like a badass because you're blowing things up and constructing walls from that from everything um are there any modern games that gave you that feeling like Um, on the same level as ocarina maybe i think skyrim is definitely up there it was super nostalgic when i played skyrim i had a lot of the same feelings of like the first time i was playing ocarina time Mm -hmm. Um, so i played that game um quite a bit uh, I really felt like I was that person. I think uh, VR experiences in, in general um, are giving me, like, they, none of them are, like, particularly story-driven, and, like, you're not, like, invested, like, long-term, and you don't put a lot of hours into it, but just even, like, you know, Beat Saber, of course, and, like, a lot of the other ones, you're just, like, the, like I can kind of see in the future, like, where it will be, and I'm just, like, completely amazed and, like, super keeping my my eye out on, on mm. VR and VR experiences like that. So, um <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Dead by Daylight too. Yeah, I definitely feel like when I play Dead by Daylight, like I am that character. <laughs> uh, even after playing like hundreds of hours of Dead by Daylight, I just still jump all the time. <laughs> so, or when I'm playing the killer, I'm just like, I am just like super evil, and this is awesome. <laughs> so, oh, nice, nice. Well, I I don't have any other questions myself. Lumix, do you? No, I don't. Well, I mean, other than, which is probably an unanswerable question, but uh, if you had unlimited resources and you could make the ultimate dream game, what game would you create? Um, I think I would make a better version of of Valkyrie. (laughs) Just have more people, have more abilities. Just make a a higher tech, more resources version of that Mm -hmm. game? Okay, that's fair. 
I think I, I would definitely do that because it's it, it's a, a fun game. It's something that I'm interested in. I think an like some kind of like crazy MMO, like a, a like if it was truly unlimited, you know, like I'm like an Oasis style. Limited. Yeah, like Oasis. Yeah, Star Citizen type. <laughs> that would be awesome. Second, like you know, Second Life, but like VR and like super hyper realistic, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would definitely make that game with truly unlimited resources. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Nice. So, the the Uber game, right? The game that has all games within it and things like that. I, th- I think that there's a lot of interesting things. Like that's something that we talked about a lot too. As like a second game, was like, what would like a very MVP like indie version of like a multi game look like? Where maybe you like there's very different styles and games. So, I think some <laughs> games that you see like this are uh, if you ever played Reketeer, um or like Moonlighter and things like that, where they have these kind of like shops and production type things, and you are, there's also a dungeon. Uh, I think there's like some really interesting things you can do with that, um, especially cross-platform, right? Like, what if there's a version that you can only play on the Switch and mobile and things like that that does like one thing in the town, and then you play another one that you can only play on your PC, and you do another thing on your town, and you basically like meld these games together, right? Play with your friends. Hmm. Uh, I think that I think that's an interesting concept that I haven't seen anybody attempt yet, but. I think would be real fun. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Right on. Well, Sean, thanks so much for coming on uh, tonight and just sharing a little bit about about Valgrave and, and what you're doing. When when is the, the the proper and official launch? And and where can people find the game? And where can people find you if they wanted to follow up and, and have some questions or anything else about the game? Yeah, um, we're going to be launching on September 19th, so just a little bit over two weeks. So I'm going to be going to take a little bit of a vacation with my family before it all gets crazy and hectic. And then when I get back, I'm going to finish everything up in a few days, put every put everything in place, and we're going to be launching on September 19th. So you should uh, check it out on Steam. Um, from there, you can get to our Discord server, and that's probably like the best way. If you're listening to this and you want keys, like feel free. I'll give you keys now, and you can play it. Um, a lot of the builds are very deaf. Uh, dev performance uh, test builds, so they get the, you won't be able to play like the exact full game with like a zone closing and with with a bunch of people or anything. But if if you want keys and just want to like put around in it, I'm more than happy to give anybody uh, keys as we get closer to launch. So. Right on, right on. Well, Lumix, with that, um, folks, you have been listening to episode 57 of the FPP podcast. Again, you can find us at Fair and Balance Play at gmail.com. Uh, normally I would tell you to reach out to us and let us know uh, what you thought about the show, but in- instead, go check out Valgrave. Go check it out on Steam. Join that Discord server. Check the game out um, and-, and help support sh- uh, Sean and the guys as they get ready to-, to-, to launch this game later on September the 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, th- again, huge shout-out and thanks to you for coming on. But with that said, Lumix, we'll, we'll kick it to you for a positive word and a close, my friend. Oh, I did not prepare for this. My positive word is go wishlist Valgrave. That's a bad... I mean, it is a positive word, but it's it's kind of a cop-out. Hey, that's okay. We want to we support this. Yeah, no, well, I got nothing not? else. Yeah, no, that is my... We'll, we'll, we'll say that. Well, that is my positive yeah. word. Just get go and wishlist Valgrave. Give it a shot. It's free. It literally can't hurt you. And uh, see what you think. And, and shoot us, you know, your expectations i i know we talked about earlier uh what games were coming out this month let us know if you're getting any games uh that are coming out what you're excited for um but yeah other than that uh get out there this week play some good games and we will talk to you all next week can i get a who can i get a who dat in the chat <laughs> who dat thank you thank you rudy